0: Hi everybody, welcome to episode 4 of the Chaos Cast, that's Chaos with a K, which stands for Kingdom Hearts and Other Stuff, where I'll try and sell my guests on the Kingdom Hearts series based on a topic of their choosing. I'm Zach Lyons, and this week I'm joined by my friend Amanda Sinning. How are you doing, Amanda?
1: Hey, I'm good.
0: How have you been? Haven't talked to you in ages.
1: I know, I've been quite busy. A lot going on at work, a lot going on at home, but I'm doing well, Uh, trying to get caught up on some writing and getting back into some old hobbies which is why it's exciting for me to be talking about video games
0: awesome for those of you unaware, which is basically everybody that's listening uh Amanda and i went to high school together she used to be best friends with my sister and uh we've kept in touch over the years anyway uh so how familiar with the kingdom hearts series are you
1: uh well i'm played a good amount of the games i've played kingdom hearts one kingdom hearts two um birth by sleep I played through a little bit of Chain of Memories, um, a little bit of uh, Three Hundred Fifty Two divided by yada yada days.
0: <laughs> um, the
1: little watched a little bit of um, some of the stuff about Kai, but honestly, I haven't kept up with the series as well as I probably should have. I am looking forward to playing three. Um, oh, I did also do Dream Drop Distance, which is kind of where the series really lost me. <laughs> sure. But um, I enjoyed it. I'm not so sure I enjoyed how it ended. Uh, but yeah, that's about my experience with those games.
0: Fair enough. So would you say currently, at this point in time, are you? would you consider yourself a fan?
1: Um, I would consider myself kind of a lapsed fan. I okay. was really into one. I was really into two um, Birth by Sleep I was not so into um, but I liked it. Dream Drop Distance kinda the same thing. Um I they think they both the more had convoluted... good points
0: but just kinda went yeah. crazier and crazier.
1: Yeah. The more convoluted the story gets, the more I find myself kind of losing interest in it because mm. I liked it a bit more when it was simpler and when it was it's... might you
0: say simple and clean?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're welcome. You can take that one yes, to the bank.
1: Yes, I will.
0: <laughs> so then uh, based on that, what would you like to discuss today? What's your topic? Well,
1: well, um, I'd like my topic to be innocence. Um, I was thinking recently uh, just over, um, kind of a fan of anime and other JRPGs, and something that seems to come up a lot in a lot of games and anime is the idea of children or young people as heroes. And that's always been fascinating to me because you see a lot of people sort of uh, upset with that idea and saying why are there so many kids and teenagers why isn't there anybody more like my age you know maybe 20s maybe 30s Um, a 30 year old who isn't considered an old geezer for one (laughs) Um, and that kind of got me thinking on the subject of innocence in kingdom hearts and the idea that you really can't get much more innocent than a lot of little kids or teenagers with Disney characters.
0: That's true. Um,
1: And the more that I think about it, the more I think there's a lot of interesting things that the games have to say about the idea of innocence and growing up and becoming an adult, kind of coming face-to-face with your fears, and literally in the game, the idea of facing your darkness.
0: Mm. It's interesting because uh, you mentioned to me before the show, before we started recording, how... It's not just that there's the idea of innocence in the Japanese games and anime and stuff, but the opposite is almost true of Western games. Like uh, there's like Mass Effect and Red Dead and GTA and like just so many more adult games. You know, things with uh, where the protagonists are older, and it's it's interesting to see that contrast. And I hadn't really thought about that before.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why JRPGs are so interesting to me. I mean, I I also get a little tired of the trope sometimes. Um, But it's interesting to see different points of view, games that play from a younger point of view, that deal with things other than what you might see in a lot of Western games, what you might call the stereotypical take on those games, which is a lot of guns and violence and big muscular guys. Um, And that's not to say that's what all Western RPGs are like, um, but I think you definitely get a different atmosphere and a different feel to the games coming from Japan, especially with Kingdom Hearts. Where it's actually a pretty unusual idea to take something like Disney and take a lot of these trademark characters, mix them in with Final Fantasy, which is another huge trademarked uh, property, and mixing that with original characters and an original story Yeah, and kind of using those same themes of innocence and youth saving the world, but in a completely different context that really hadn't been done before.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's especially interesting, I think, because like in Kingdom Hearts 1, when we start off, Sora is, what, 14, I think? Sora, Riku, and Kairi are all 14, except Ka- Riku might be 15.
1: Uh, yeah. Somewhere around there.
0: And then they, they meet the Final Fantasy characters like uh, Squall or Leon, who's in Final Fantasy Eight canon, I think, only 17. Mm -hmm. So he's only like three years older than Sora, two years older than Riku. But uh, it may be that in Kingdom Hearts canon, they aged him up or just felt like he's an older guy. So even though he's only a few years older, he's like an adult mentor to Sora, but Mm -hmm. he's really not that far off in age.
1: Right. And really, when you look at what they're doing at the beginning of that game, it's all things that kids would normally do, things that you would do if you didn't have a care in the world. Mm. Um, it's hinted that they probably do have parents, or at least Sora does. Yeah, he's at least got a him mom. At home at one point. Yeah, he at least has a mother. But they're spending their days out on this island basically doing whatever they want without parental supervision and just doing things.
0: Without even, like, mentioning, oh, I miss my parents. They're always trying to find their friends, but they don't seem to care about their family. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, I mean, that that's a whole different trope yeah. on the, uh, you know, JRPG people who lost their parents. Another discussion by, or, for or, another you know, day. Eh? Another discussion for another day. But you see them uh, doing things that are just characteristically childish. They're going out and they're trying to make a raft. They're trying to see different worlds.
0: But Collecting at the same seashells time, they make a necklace.
1: Yes, but they're also doing things that are somewhat mature. You know, they have the foresight to gather supplies before they get on their raft. Um, so there's this kind of and there's just an interesting dynamic especially between Sora and Riku during those parts where they're having sort of this romantic battle over Kairi and who can impress her more. Which is very childish, but Mm. then they end up having a pretty adult conversation near the end about, you know, what if there really are other worlds? What if we could go out there? What would we do? So already you're getting sort of this idea that things are going to progress from there, that things aren't always going to stay the same or this innocent.
0: And then you look further in Kingdom Hearts games and you realize that it really does stay the same for a long time. And I don't mean just the way that. Like, Kingdom Hearts 1 came out in 2002, and they were 14 years old. And now Kingdom Hearts 3 is finally coming out in 2018, 15, 16 years later. And now they're, I think, 17? Like, they've aged one to two years with each numbered title. And so, exactly. not, not just that. It's also the fact that, like, even as in the games, they get taller. They get, you know, older. they, they Their character designs are updated accordingly, which is great. But then there's, like, after Kingdom Hearts 2 canonically, is when Recoded is set. But in Recoded, you go into the datascape with another version of Sora, who looks just like his Kingdom Hearts 1. So he's still that young, innocent child, you know, with no memory of the things that have already happened. He's kind of thrown into it. And then there's in Dreamed Out Distance, where Recoded Sora are, again, you know, they're, they're tall, they've got their hair that's grown out and whatever from Kingdom Hearts 2, but then they go into the Dream Worlds, and again, they just look like children. And like the cutscenes showing them at the mysterious tower with Yensid are just so jarring I think compared to the actual game because they're so much taller and like they look obviously older, but even for 99% of the game where you're actually playing, they still look like kids. And that's so strange. It's like they want to keep them eternally youthful.
1: Well, and look at the color palette too. Yeah. All of these games have a lot of bright primary color schemes. Um, a lot of the worlds are very childish, and mm. I don't mean that in an insulting way. Sure. But um, I mean, they're Disney worlds, right? Yeah, they're Disney. They're light-hearted. They're colorful. Um, there's a lot of cute little creatures running around. Um, and that's an interesting juxtaposition to some of the pretty dark things that happen. I would say, especially near the end of Dream Drop Distance, when the game starts confronting the idea that Sora is succumbing to darkness inside of himself, yeah, um, which gets completely undone by the ending, where they're having a literal tea party. And at he's the wearing end your uh,
0: these... those gag glasses and mustache, which is completely bizarre. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so it's like he came out of that with his innocence preserved, like it didn't really impact him, but you know it did. It's mm. It's just a very, it's an odd way to end the game after all of that, but... It's again where the game kind of goes into these goofy, lighthearted segments that are full of innocence in contrast to the darkness that is being faced throughout these games on the side of the villains. Mm.
0: That's actually something that I'm really looking forward to with Kingdom Hearts 3 is I really hope that they go more into Sora's dark side because like you know he feels a lot more negative emotion than he lets on. Like, in Kingdom Hearts 1, and I think it's when they're leaving Traverse Town, maybe, and he's, you know, trying to find his friends, Riku and Kyrie, and he's really bummed out, and then Donald and Goofy are like, oh, no sad faces, you know, hide your pain with a smile. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's like, okay, cool, I'll go with you guys. But, I mean, he's actually, he has such a, that scene sticks out for me because the voice acting is really good there. It sounds like he's so distraught. And I feel like that's always with him. Like He's always got something weighing on his mind. He's trying to find this lost friend. He's trying to save this person, whatever. But like he's optimistic, you know, glass half full. So he's always trying to keep it covered up. But I feel like he actually does have a lot of darkness more inside of him. And like you say, they've been trying to bring that to the forefront. And I hope that comes more in Kingdom Hearts 3.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you definitely see that too in Kingdom Hearts 1 in Hollow Bastion. Yeah. Um, where he finds out that... No, he may not actually be the true Keyblade wielder, and it goes to Riku, and his friends drop him like it's hot. Yeah, Um, no kidding. Despite the fact that they've been spending so much time with him, they've been fighting at his side for so long, they decide, well, we have to go with Riku because the Keyblade arbitrarily decided that he's the chosen one. And I think that's a great example of where Sora is definitely depressed. Um, He's lost lost several of his friends. He's lost this power that he has, which essentially is the most unique thing about him. And he's clearly very proud of it. Um, And it's definitely the beginning, I think, of that sort of loss of innocence of sorts that kind of pops in and out, where he has these moments where he is feeling guilt or he is acting less than you know, the light-hearted, good person that he's supposed to be, and then um, kind of recovers that later. Mm. Um, but that was the most interesting part of the game for me, because I wanted to see what he would do when he didn't have that power and he was actually suffering. And I, I kind of wanted that again in Dream Drop Distance when he sort of went through something similar except on a much larger scale. And I'm interested to see if Kingdom Hearts 3 sort of gets that balance a little bit uh, better, Um, just because I think the game could do so much more with that that we haven't really seen. Especially considering the type of character that Sora is, that he's kind of the, you know, cliche, happy-go-lucky, you know, child hero who is the force of good. Um, I really like seeing that complexity.
0: Agreed, and I think you bring up a good point with Halobastian too, because like when Donald and Goofy leave him to follow Riku after the Keyblade leaves him, like he's paired up with the Beast, and he's <laughs> I think the only Disney companion you have not in their Disney world, and so it's interesting to see Beast there paired up with Sora because he's you know the same he you know, outward darkness with, uh, good inside of him, whereas Sora is the antithesis antithesis of that he's good outside but darkness inside.
1: Exactly, and it's a great pairing just for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, because I think they're sort of similar in what they're looking for too. You know, Beast is mm. looking for Bell. They both have that desperation where they're searching for someone important to them, um, and that was an excellent way to handle
0: that level. Mm. Very poignant. Mm-hmm. But like we said, it's it's just kind of like it, they did it best in Kingdom Hearts one, and Kingdom Hearts two had some good moments too because you know he's dealing with the existence of Roxas and you know, learning more about everyone connected to him. But I think Kingdom Hearts one definitely did the best and I again I just I hope they really dive into it with Kingdom Hearts three.
1: Yes, as do I. And you know, when you're talking about Kingdom Hearts Two um, I think there were a number of parts in that game, too, where they started sort of getting into the light-dark dichotomy more with the villains, which <laughs> I liked a lot, especially with Demix, who I think was my <laughs> was, favorite it's one. It's funny, I
0: was just thinking Demix when you said that.
1: Yeah, because especially... um there's, character. Yeah, but especially where there's that part, um, I believe it's right after you fight him, you know, dance, water, dance. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> where he says, uh, where... They talk about having hearts, and he says that's not true. We do too have hearts, and he sounds honestly hurt. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm—I've never been sure. I mean, I honestly wasn't sure at the time I played, and I'm not sure now if that was supposed to be him intentionally faking emotion or if he actually was feeling emotion. Um, well, I, I have and... to imagine
0: that uh, because in games since then they've led us to believe that. Organization thirteen, made up of nobodies and no hearts, they actually did have hearts the entire time, and that's how they are able to come back after they were defeated and have their somebodies come back to life or whatever.
1: Right. Oh, I'm not and sure, I mean, so it's, consider, it's so
0: confusing. <laughs>
1: well, and consider Axel, too, who yeah. ends up joining the good guys. He ends up <clears throat> being on the side of good. Um, so, well, I wouldn't necessarily call him an innocent character, and he's probably the rare example of... An adult, I would yeah, I assume he's I would older than pretty much everyone else in the cast. Um, but an adult who's on the side of, uh, you know, an adult who's on the side of good. I mean, you have a few of them. You have Yen Sid. You have some of the Disney characters. Um, I say you could, you could probably count um, a lot of the people that you meet along the way, like the Final Fantasy characters. But how many of those people are actually adults versus mm. teenagers? Um, so... That was an interesting take for me too. Kind of getting out of the idea that it's a lot of young people versus the world, specifically the older people who are on the
0: side of evil. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> <It's an> or.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I I don't in even know body what
0: body or in someone else's yes. body in several bodies, who knows.
1: And I don't even know what to think about that now because I thought I could follow this in the earlier games and that, you know, there was actually a real Ansem and he was a good person. He was mm. trying to help people. And now I, t- I don't even know. I don't even know who's who in in this, uh, you know, in this in the series of games in between Ansem and Xemnas and Xehanort and um, trying to clear all of that up.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it only gets more confusing with the Kingdom Hearts 3 teas as they've been having in the trailers showing... And some uh, secret of darkness and Zemnus and Marluxia, slash maybe Lorium, and uh, Vanitas. like all these characters who have allegedly been taken out of the picture who multiple times it, it, <laughs> some of them exactly I call it the game back. where you
1: uh, yeah I keep calling it the game where you know, the game of I thought you died. Yeah. And then you didn't.
0: Um, this similar because... to the last episode where we were comparing it to, uh, like, the Marvel universe or, like, comic books in general. Everybody dies, but not really.
1: Yes, that's <coughs> actually a, that's a good comparison. I would say that's pretty spot on. Or something like, uh, I don't know, like an action game where you kill the same boss five different times. Yeah. Because they keep coming back.
0: <laughs> this isn't my final form.
1: Exactly. You have not yet seen my final form. Frieza, what? <laughs> Uh. Um but really the more that I think about it, I think one of the things that I've really wanted these games to do outside of finally tie up all the loose ends, um, is deal more with treating Sora kind of like the age that he is. Yeah. Um, it's really nice to see him being happy, go lucky, and innocent for so long, but really where he almost went through a sort of emotional puberty over the last few games. Yeah, definitely. I, I really want to see them deal with that side of it and see him kind of being more of an adult. Um, and especially how he's going to deal with that given that Dream Drop Distance dropped that bomb that uh, now he, Riku is actually the true Keyblade Master.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually love that twist. Like it, It's one of those things that felt like a twist at the time, but the, over the years, as I've had time to think about it, it feels like, oh, of course, it's so obvious. Like Of course they took that route.
1: Yeah, not and least I mean, of which really, because
0: Nomura seems to favor Riku to Sora and probably wishes he was the main character from the beginning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and when you think about it, that was foreshadowed all the way back in Kingdom Hearts One when he got the Keyblade. Yeah, exactly. And they they play it off as sort of a temporary thing where oh, the Keyblade must have made a mistake, and hmm. then having the reveal that it didn't and that he's the true master that was great. Yeah. And if if anything, you know, Riku's really been through. A lot more. He's done a lot more growing up than Sora has throughout. Like crazy. Yes, exactly. And so he's the one who, you know, started out relatively innocent, um, ended up having to deal with the darkness in his heart, succumbed to his darkness, and then came back to the side of good
0: and learned to control the darkness.
1: Right. And I've always found him a much more interesting character than Sora because of that, because Mm. he went through that maturing process. And really, if you uh, take a look at things like the monomyth, or if you're familiar with Joseph Campbell, where he does the hero's journey, Mm. there's always a point where the hero goes into the depths, uh, usually the underworld, um, or some literal darkness, um, some literal uh, hell of sorts, and then ends up coming out transformed. Sure. And I think that Sora's kind of been getting the short end of the stick on that end, where he's sort of always in the stage uh, where Campbell would say you're facing challenges, you're facing trials and tribulations on your way down so that you can come back up. And for me, Sora has yet to truly kind of come back up and transform and become a really fulfilling character because of that. And kind of because he's maintaining that innocence, even when it's not appropriate, like the end of Dream Drop Distance. Yeah,
0: especially then, because like you said before, it just it felt like they were actually taking that in a really cool and dark and interesting direction by having him be you know, in the darkness basically the whole time. And then he wakes up and he's happy and fine.
1: Yeah, whereas Riku went into the darkness and went through so much, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of really ruminating on himself and what he is, and even having a clone of himself at one point, which would really make you question your identity. Yeah. Um, Whereas Sora hasn't really done any of that, yet he gets the main character billing despite being the the less interesting and less, uh, I guess, fully formed character in the end. And I mean, when you think about it, Half of him is literally another character at this point. Mm. So, I, I mean, I can't even say now how much of that is really Sora that we've been seeing after we've had Roxas and Ventus.
0: That's actually something I was going to bring up, too. Is uh, it, I feel like they were almost trying to force some maturity from Sora in Kingdom Hearts 2 by having the Roxas connection. Because, you know, like when they're in Twilight Town near the beginning of the game and you know they start to, they go to get on the train to the mysterious tower and he starts crying out of nowhere because he's talking to Hainer Pence and Allette, and they've got the connection with Roxas and Roxas is sad and so that's what makes Sora cry yeah and it's like they they're trying because Roxas is such a damaged and dark character too and he's got that connection to Sora and Ventus has had his troubles too so like all these dark characters are connected to Sora or you know even though the characters in canon don't remember her you know, she's a part of him, too, or she was him, his memories, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. like, all these characters with darkness and tragedy and whatnot, like, part of them, they're inside of him. They're a part of Sora. And so, that it's like again, they're he's the essence of light and purity, whereas all the other parts that make him up, all these other characters, are trying to be the darkness in him or trying to be the maturity in him. I'm not mm-hmm. exactly sure where I'm going, but it's just interesting to... That they, that it's almost like they're using other characters to force him to mature.
1: Right. <laughs> and he's just and then, not having it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, even when you look at it, it's kind of funny because when I was playing uh, Birth by Sleep, I actually could not stand Ventus. Mm. Um, but that was more because he's the whiny child out of the, well, Terra kind of is too. But, uh, you know, out of all of them, I, Aqua is the most mature, obviously. Oh, sure. Um, but, Ventus kind of has the annoying childlike attitude that you would expect from your typical sort of whiny anime hero. Yeah. And that drove me insane. Sure, sure. I, I do like Sora a bit more because he comes off as genuinely more likable. But, I mean, even Ventus, for as annoying and kind of stereotypical as he is, even he has to go through a period where he has to grow up very quickly and ends up pretty much comatose um, you know, doing what he needs to do, um, whereas you know, he, even he gets more development than Sora has at this point over the course of several games in mm. terms of of maturing and kind of progressing. I almost feel like Sora's sort of, uh, well, at one point literally stuck in stasis,
0: mm, but definitely,
1: um, yeah, kind of, kind of just trapped in the same stage of life despite being older.
0: As a bit of a sidebar, uh, I find it interesting that. Uh, Sora was, you know, in that capsule, you know, in Twilight Town or whatever for a year in between Kingdom Hearts, Chain of Memories and Kingdom Hearts 2, and he grew, he got taller, you know, he was too big for his clothes when he came out. But I bet you anything when Ventus wakes up from his 10 year slumber, because you know it's going to happen, he's going to be the exact same.
1: Oh, I bet. I, I mean, bet like, there was a difference.
0: I'll give a bit of uh, leeway to Aqua looking the same because, you know, time passes differently in the Realm of Darkness. Sure, fair enough. That's a convenient but acceptable, you know, excuse. Right. Um, but I feel like his, uh, Ventus has just been sealed up in what Castle Oblivion slash whatever the place was that yeah. they started in Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. I forget what it's called.
1: I know, so do I, and I keep confusing it with the original Hollow Bastion, but that wasn't mm.
0: it. I keep thinking. I think Daybreak it's Castle 10. Oblivion. It's it's Castle Oblivion, yeah. but it used to be whatever they tr- Aqua Ventus and Terra trained at.
1: Oh, Radiant Garden.
0: No, no, that that's no, uh, no, wait, that was Hollow something Bastion. different. <laughs> Hollow, was Bastion Hollow Bastion. See, I'm Radiant getting them confused too. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's okay.
0: I know which we doing. we know what we're talking about. But so he's <laughs> there, and that's, I mean maybe it's because Castle Oblivion is another place like the Realm of Darkness, where time passes differently that's probably gonna be the excuse they use but it would be it would just be nice if one of the characters that's in present day that something happened to them 10 years ago if they looked noticeably different I think that would be yeah. really cool to show them age just a sidebar I, we can mm-hmm. you know we all have to keep going oh, down that road
1: <laughs> oh no I mean I would love for them to have something like uh, in Kingdom Hearts 2 when they find Riku again yeah and they're like, oh my god, Riku! And I mean, he looks just like Ansem, pretty much. Sure. Um, but that was a great, shocking moment. And I mean, it's it would be it would be a pretty meaningful thing too if these characters actually look significantly different to show the passage of time, sure. other than just being taller, having different clothes, um, maybe looking more worse for wear as one would be after yeah. being kind of comatose for years. Um, and I kind of think the game sort of misses some opportunities there too. And I mean, they probably don't want to go too
0: dark. Oh, sure. Um, but, I mean, but they I feel don't, like they don't it want would to do give one of the main characters a scar like Zigbar.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because only the bad guys have scars. <laughs> uh, but I think it would go a long way towards sort of pushing that idea that they're maturing, they're progressing through life. Mm. Um, things are happening that are actually having a permanent impact on them, more Absolutely. so than. More so than just kind of telling you these things or having you observe them from a distance, let's take let's take a little bit of a different look at this. Um, so we've been talking a bit about innocence and the idea of the the characters not necessarily progressing or maturing as much as we might have expected. Um, What do you think about how that plays into the increasing convolution of the storyline in terms of you had talked about using other characters to sort of help Sora mature? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think that kind of the addition of all these characters and these storylines and this additional material, do you think overall it's been sort of a boon to the storyline and the character development overall? Do you think there are areas where they could have done better?
0: I, I definitely feel like there are areas where they could have done better, but at the same time, I feel like... Uh, for as much convolution as there is, I feel like a lot of it was planned not necessarily as early as Kingdom Hearts 1, because that could have been a standalone story, but as early as Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories when, like, the organization was introduced. Mm -hmm. Because, like, in that, you know, they introduced the organization, they've obviously got the 13 characters already figured out while they're making Kingdom Hearts 2. And then in Kingdom Hearts 2, you know, throughout the Secret Ansem reports, they mentioned things like Ansem the Wise's apprentices, like Ianzo and stuff, and... Like, they mentioned them, so they've obviously got a lot of backstory already figured out by that point. So I feel like the convolution, while bizarre, wasn't necessarily unplanned. Like, I don't think every game was just, okay, now what can we do now to try and fix what we did in the last game? Like, I do think Nomura or somebody had some vague idea of where they wanted to go. It just took lots of games to do it. Which might be sloppy, but... I'm not sure if that actually answers the question you asked. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, I mean I think it does and and I would agree that definitely there was something planned in this and he had to have a general idea uh, Namura did of what direction he wanted to go in mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. sometimes when I'm when I've been playing especially the more recent games, I question if... If it was really necessary to have so many characters and such convoluted plotting to tell the story that he wants to tell. Because especially by the time I got to the end of Dream Drop Distance and Sora really didn't seem to be that affected by anything that had happened, I kind of wondered what the purpose of the entire game was outside of having a setting to you know have him succumb to his darkness. Uh, which probably could have been done in any of the other games. And especially since Nomura has said that, I believe it was Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to be the end of Sora's story specifically. He did not say it's going to be the end of the series.
0: Well, I, Um, I, I could be mistaken, but I feel like actually he said Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to be into the Dark Seeker saga. I know that's true. I feel like I read in an interview that Kingdom Hearts as a series will very likely continue and you'll never have Kingdom Hearts without Sora. He didn't necessarily say that Sora will be the main character. He just said, like, Sora will always be in Kingdom Hearts. I mean, take it at face value. I don't know how old that interview was. I feel like it's a couple years ago now that I heard that. So, I don't know. I, I do feel like they want to do a lot more with Sora in the next game. Which sounds weird to say, being, again, that he's, like, the main character. The face of the games. But,
1: I, I think for it would being be... the main
0: character, he's had relatively little development
1: right and I think if they want to continue these games and they they want him to always be present um if, if you take it literally which is kind of funny to think about Sora will always be in Kingdom Hearts think about it what if he Aha. ends up deciding to be the one who you know is inside Kingdom Hearts you know how Riku is like back they're holding back the darkness I think mm. it would be awesome if at some point they did that, and then that would actually be the reason why he's always in those games because he's always yeah in because Hearts. he's like
0: part of the entity that is Kingdom Hearts.
1: Yeah, and he's always that trying would be to really protect, cool. Yeah, always protecting the world from darkness, and I think that would actually be a really good end cap to him having more development and deciding to come to terms with the dark and light sides of himself, like Riku had to do.
0: That's awesome! I, I love that idea. Actually, I can't believe I hadn't thought of that before.
1: That would actually make me like these games so much more.
0: Yeah, sure, <laughs> the definitely. The noble
1: sacrifice of Sora.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> um, just to, before I forget to touch on a little bit of what you said before about the char- like the number of characters and the way they've intertwined and whatnot. Have you by? Are you familiar at all with the story of Kingdom Hearts Key? A little bit, honestly, not by much though. Okay, so uh, anyone who hasn't played Key or isn't familiar. Uh, spoilers I guess but in the mobile game you know Kingdom Hearts Union Cross that they've got right now the the story where they're at right now is uh focusing on the new leaders of the union did you did you play 2.8 yeah
1: uh I did not
0: (laughs) okay so you haven't seen the back cover movie
1: uh I got through part of it
0: okay so that's that's uh taking place in quote-unquote the time of fairy tales which Kyrie's grandmother told her about in Kingdom Hearts 2 or you learned that about Kyrie, I believe. Mm-hmm. At any rate, it's her grandmother telling a story of the uh, the Age of Fairy Tales. And that's, like, way back in ancient times. And uh, there's the five union leaders, and one of them's a traitor, and the Master of Masters tells them that there's a traitor amongst them, and they're trying to figure out who's the traitor, and they're all distrusting of each other. And basically, uh, one of them has the task of finding new key wielders to lead the unions. And so these five... New union leaders are the main characters at this point in the story where we're at currently. And two of them are characters we know from other games. One of them is Lorium, who looks like the somebody of Marluxia. Mm -hmm. And one of them is straight up Ventus. Oh, And that adds another layer of complexity and convolution to everything. Because if Birth by Sleep is just 10 years before Kingdom Hearts 1, but Ventus has been around since the Age of Fairy Tales... And Lorium too, but we—that's another situation. At least he's a somebody, as opposed to the nobody, nobody. But Ventus being there is really bizarre, especially. So it's—we don't know where that's going or how that's going to tie in eventually. But that's uh, one of the big, crazy things about Ventus is he's been around for a long time without necessarily realizing it.
1: Ah, oh, and then that makes me wonder if Ventus would end up being one of those characters who's also perpetually in the future games. Um, If he's been around from that point in time, you know, Mm -hmm. is still existent. And then depending on how they explain that particular plot twist uh, continues to exist either as a part of Sora or as himself separately. Um, Yeah, that would be that would be fascinating.
0: Yeah. So I I feel like because Ventus only had Birth by Sleep to really develop, they wanted to give him more story. Same with like Loriam, you know, he only had Marlis only had Chain of Memories and now he'll be in Kingdom Hearts 3 but then because of Lorium being in uh, the mobile game people are speculating whether it actually is Marluxia in Kingdom Hearts 3 or if it's Lorium come back since he defeated Marluxia but there's so many questions and i'm so excited for Kingdom Hearts 3 <laughs> yeah
1: i think if if nothing else getting the answer to some of those questions will be worth it because
0: even even if we only get half of the questions answered which i think is generous expectations <laughs>
1: yeah and and, <laughs> and hopefully Hopefully they'll make sense at first, because I remember mm-hmm. having a tough time when I got to Kingdom Hearts 2, kind of grappling with the whole, sure, you know, the idea of the nobodies and how these things were working and that, oh, okay, so, you know, there's this guy who looks like Ansem, but isn't actually Ansem. Um, yeah. And I, I really think 2 did the best job of explaining that because I did grasp it by the end. But Yeah, um, definitely i i it and it's it's been so long since i've played the other games and i know i've missed a few that i my hope is that i will not be hopelessly lost by the time we get to three
0: sure so you said you've played king hearts one two birth by sleep some of chain of memories some no you played all of dream drop distance yep and some or all of three five eight over two yes okay Do you think you're going to replay any of the games before Kingdom Hearts 3, or are you just going to jump into 3, hoping that you get it?
1: Honestly, I'll probably read a plot summary, because I have several other games on tap, (laughs) and I know by that point I'll probably have several more. Um, Sure,
0: sure. That's fair.
1: I do have the HD collection, so at some point I will go back and play that. Uh, I just can't guarantee I'll get to it before 3.
0: Right. Fair enough. I was going to say, if you don't have it, then I think, uh, based on our conversation, you probably should. But uh, if you've got it and you're all set, then no need to argue that further. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things where I, as much as I love the games, I have trouble going back and playing them. I think in part because the battle system's so clunky for the first little bit.
0: <laughs> sure. I guess I, I just, I'm a sucker for it. I love it. I actually just recently finished platinuming King Kingdom Hearts 3D. <laughs> oh,
1: wow. <laughs> Which is
0: crazy grinding. Like, it's not necessarily difficult. There's, you know, a hidden boss or two that are difficult but aside from that it's mostly just grinding but right. I was really enjoying just zipping around in flow motion
1: oh yeah that was that <laughs> was fun I mean out of all the things that game did I think the gameplay was awesome outside of if yeah. you get a random drop at a bad time
0: um, yeah yeah
1: and even, that's but even really that you can that avoid bad. exactly you can avoid it
0: with the drop me knots and the drop me items
1: yeah, and I mean, talk about the worlds. I loved having the Hunchback of Notre Dame world in that game. That was one that I'd been looking forward to for a long time.
0: <sighs> Again, no. we're getting into another topic for another day, but my quick two cents on that is I enjoyed the different worlds we went to, but I thought that they were handled poorly. Like, one of my favorite parts about going to Disney Worlds is having the Disney characters as your companions. And, right. like, Quasimodo comes with you as far as this cutscene tells you, but he's not actually in your party because you don't have characters as parties. you have dream eater pokemon things
1: yeah and i i didn't think the dream eaters really contributed that much to anything (laughs) to be honest
0: yeah like it's it's interesting that they're still going to be there in kingdom hearts 3 and also Mm -hmm. dream eaters have been mentioned several times in the mobile game so like they've got some lore and history there so which i i like that like the Dream Eaters and the Unverse and the Nobodies, like, they're not all just one game specific. They're all coming together, like, it is all connected. Um, yeah. But it's still just, it always feels weird that you don't have Disney companions in Kingdom Hearts 3D.
1: Well, and especially as the games go on and they become sort of more divorced from the Disney and Final Fantasy yeah. characters, um, you almost start wondering why they even started out with those connections in the first place, because it's so yeah. much its own story now and its own world.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, it's it's been several years since they've had any necessity for either of them. The only reason people get excited about the Disney worlds is nostalgia. You know, people who enjoy the Kingdom Hearts games enjoy it because of the story and what's going on like originally it was because people love final fantasy and people love disney Mm -hmm. and this crazy mashup surely can't work but it did somehow (laughs) miraculously yeah um but since then like in kingdom hearts one there were like four original characters i think there's sora riku kairi and ansem Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i'm pretty sure those are the only original characters in that game yes aside from npcs yeah but um Kingdom Hearts 2, Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories so those introduced dozens of characters with the nobodies and the Twilight Town people and the world that never was. It just it just went crazy all of a sudden and then new protagonists for Birth by Sleep, and then new stuff with Key. And it's just like the lore of Kingdom Hearts in itself has negated the need for all the Disney and Final Fantasy stuff.
1: But suppose that's because it's been getting progressively darker. And whereas the games don't necessarily handle that as well as I would like um, or really go into the amount of depth I would like with those, I think depending on how dark they decide to go with things, I don't really think the Disney characters or even some of the Final Fantasy characters would have jived with it anymore.
0: Yeah, see, I feel like the Final Fantasy, like, it's interesting to me that they're going darker, but less Final Fantasy characters are prevalent, and more Disney worlds are still sticking around. Like, obviously people love going to Disney worlds, and that's a staple, so they can't exactly remove that, especially since the game is almost less Square Enix and more Disney. Like, Disney's got arguably more control over it than Square Enix does, but, so, you know, obviously they will require that Disney worlds have such a strong focus, and fans love that, so it's fine. But fans also of the original game love the Final Fantasy connection. And what's been Final Fantasy lately? There's been, quote-unquote, lately. You know, Zack was the only Final Fantasy character in Birth by Sleep. Mm-hmm. They didn't even have Final Fantasy in 3D. They had The World Ends With You, which was still cool. Because right. I love that game and those characters. But it's like, I feel like if any game is going to have more focus on Final Fantasy characters, it'll be three. But again, we've had like over half a dozen trailers and haven't seen even a returning Final Fantasy character yet.
1: Well, and what happened to those characters actually being active fighters on your side in the battle yeah, for exactly. the side of lights? I mean, they really it, it that kind of just got dropped. I mean, you saw that a yeah. lot in one and two where you were actively teaming up with these Final Fantasy characters. They were assisting you in some major battles. And that really added a lot of depth and added the idea that, you know, there's more than just this select group of people trying to save the world. Mm. Um, and, and I suppose you could still say it's a select group, but it was a larger group than it is now. Yeah, right? sure. I, think, I feel like over the past uh, few games, it's been pretty much just Sora and Riku, and everyone else is just kind of there for flavor.
0: Sure. Well, it's because they've all been the the bridging games as opposed to the mainline games. It's like, like I said, the biggest Final Fantasy presence has been in one and two. So because Birth by Sleep was a bridging game, it was a prequel, and Three Five Eight was a uh, companion game like it happens alongside a couple of the other ones. Recoded is like a epilogue almost to Kingdom Hearts 2. And three Kingdom Hearts 3D is the prologue to Kingdom Hearts 3. So they're all bridging games. So I can see where you know they're all happening in their own little spaces and so they're not gonna they're gonna focus on core mechanics and core characters as opposed to side characters. Which is why I feel like if they're gonna if the Final Fantasy character is gonna be important in any capacity, it's gonna be in Kingdom Hearts three. With how big the game is, with how big they're tooting it to be, I'd be amazed if they didn't have some sort of presence.
1: I can see them possibly bringing them back and having an, uh, an explanation that they were actually out actively fighting the Heartless or something, and that you're joining up with them again because they've been sort of waging their own separate war out there yeah, somewhere. Yeah, could be. Um, because, I mean, at least in terms of the worlds that we've been exposed to so far, um, who's to say there aren't other worlds that we haven't that haven't been discussed yet? Or that oh, sure. other characters have not figured out how to get there or have not been off somewhere else possibly in the same worlds also fighting. Um mm. so I could definitely see them
0: doing that. Definitely. So uh, uh you're you're planning on getting Kingdom Hearts three, right?
1: Oh yes. You uh, already said I, that? I I certainly am.
0: Okay, awesome. No no convincing there.
1: No, none needed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. it's I like that it seems to have enough drawing power. Like people are interested enough by the trailers that even people like you, or like my guest yesterday, you know, they're, you're know, convinced enough by the trailers to go get it.
1: Well, and if nothing else, I just want to see how they end up wrapping things up.
0: Yeah, um, you want answers. You want a finale.
1: Yes, I, I mean, I want a finale. Um, I'm, I have enough of a, a relationship with those characters that I want to see how things end for them, um, as much as Fair they enough. can end at this point, since they're, um, there's guaranteed to be future games um and I really just do have an attachment to especially the first two games that's making mm. me want to play this one
0: fair enough awesome well I appreciate you coming on I, I know you like to keep to yourself online you don't really have a blog or anything so we'll skip that skip past the part where we advertise your pages or anything since you don't have anything to advertise yeah uh, but I really appreciate you coming on
1: yeah thank you so much and you know if anyone does want to hit me up online get in touch with me um, you know if, if they reach out to you um, I'm glad to give that information um, cool. I am a, a bit on the down low on Facebook and things like that but um, I do have a little bit of a presence
0: fair enough awesome you can uh, find me on Twitter at Zachary P. Lyons that's Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y P-L-Y-O-N-S and you can follow the Chaos Cast everywhere under the Super Nerd Pals banner like at supernerdpels.com or on Twitter at supernerdpals. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash So come check us out. Uh, one final thank you to Amanda for coming on, and we will see you guys next time for episode five.
1: All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in.